Welcome, everybody, to episode five of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. I am Ethan. You can follow me on Twitter at VivaLaEthan. I'm sitting here with a ice-cold, rowdy energy, cherry limeade. I'm Soda. You can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. I just finished a pineapple passion fruit rowdy energy. Ooh. How'd you like it? It was good. I always like pineapple and passion fruit and that kind of those kind of weird flavors anyway that's awesome i just still need to try one of those uh rowdy burns that's what it is it's it, i'm sorry it's a rowdy burn not just a rowdy energy because i bought the variety pack oh, so man. i'm steady going through all the flavors right now yeah i'm gonna have to try those but how was your weekend that was good um i posted on twitter a few times we went to the hot air balloon festival um in town like an hour away from us but yeah it's like a big regional event and it just happens to be you know, an hour away from us. Pretty cool stuff. It's at a, uh, it was at like an amusement park that uh, was built by the Porch Creek Indians uh, in our area. They also have like a couple of casinos around, actually one right down the street. I can see it from my house. Oh, wow. A massive <laughs> casino hotel right from like my backyard. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I can see that from my house, but um, they built this big amusement park thing with rides and they got this indoor water park opening in June and they have like a concert area, vendors, all sorts of stuff. You can get, get moonshine and cocktails and all that kind of stuff while you're there. I was walking around with a Bloody Mary while I was ah. watching the balloons, a keto Bloody Mary as best I could anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But it was, it was fun. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. I posted some of that on Twitter. It was a little windy. They couldn't do a lot, but they all got up and uh, lit their balloons up at night so that was that was neat that's something we try to do every year other than that just been enjoying our pool oh yeah i, I understand that i wish i had a pool right now especially man oh. it is a godsend at the moment <laughs> i mean i swear we got the pool and a deck big enough to where it held, holds a patio set and one of those little you know those little cheap portable hot tubs those little 500 hot tubs that you get from walmart Oh yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Hot tubs are more expensive than pools sometimes, so we just got the cheapest thing we could get. Man, it is so much fun having all that stuff right here in our yard. We haven't had a pool in years. My wife's job recently allowed us to be able to do that for the kids over the summer, and it's really cool. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I might have to make a road trip just to <laughs> jump cannonball in your pool. We've had plenty of guests, so it wouldn't be you wouldn't be the first one. People just, love coming over our house all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden, especially summertime. 
Yep. How was your weekend, man? You had you had a heck of a weekend. Listen, I had an awesome, awesome weekend, but I'm paying for it right now because <laughs> I have a nasty sunburn. Oh my goodness, my my arms, my legs, <laughs> my neck. I and I had like uh, my sunglasses on all weekend, so from my nose to my forehead is all pale because I'm a pale guy because I had a hat on. But from my nose down to my chin, I guess it would be from my nose to my chest, it's like burnt red. Oh, let's see. Oh, I hate it. Do you go to many races where it's where it's really hot and sunny like that? No, I, I don't. See, Talladega, it's Alabama. It doesn't matter if it's late spring, early fall. It's still always like 95 degrees and bright and sunny. Yeah. You know, so that's like that's something that we pack. We got to pack sunscreen and apply it three or four times during the race. You, yes. you didn't think about doing any of that? No, <laughs> no. I was hype over the fact that I was going to go watch some NASCAR. It's, you know, for me living in, what did I call it last week? I don't even know. Central liver. Oh uh, yeah. Or something. You're... But being a central <laughs> liver, which is going to be a new t-shirt. I swear by it. Uh, no, being, you know, in Kansas, living in Kansas, Kansas Speedway is like, well, now it's twice on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. But, you know, that's kind of like Christmas. Texas Motor Speedway is six hours away. It's about 500 miles. You know, Charlotte Charlotte Motor Speedway is, uh, I think, 944 miles away. So, like, you know, Kansas Speedway is kind of like every, you know, uh, just every year or twice a year type thing. So, I get so excited and I never think about sunscreen for some reason. I will. I definitely will this weekend. For absolutely for sure um <laughs> no uh <laughs> last year i went to the truck race uh well the arca race truck race was on the same day and then mm-hmm. uh the next day was kansas speedway and i actually got a hotel up there last last year and i don't remember being sunburnt this bad like at all and i remember um it didn't rain it was hot as you could imagine on uh, that Saturday for the Arca and the trucks. And then it rained just like it did this year, uh, last year for the May race. So, but I just don't remember coming home being this burnt. Like I can't bend my arm. I'm so burnt <laughs> every time, uh, like this year, like, uh, Sunday, every time there was a caution or every time there was, you know, a stage break or something, I had to run back up to the, uh, like the stadium. The shade. Yeah, the shade yeah. and just sat there. And thankfully, where I was setting at, if I just stood up against, like, under the bleachers, there was a, a concession area, uh, like, where they sold food and stuff that had a TV monitor. So I'd watch the caution stuff, like pit stops and stuff, on the TV monitor. And when, it, you know, they were doing the choose rule or uh, choose, what's that called? The I, coming, I, I think it's just called the choose rule. I think you had Yeah, it. that's why I always know that. But, like, when they were doing the choosing their line... I would run back down to my seat because that always indicated that they had one more lap and then it'd be going back to green. So, which by the way, I like that rule. That's like oh, the I, best rule I think they put in in a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, and like, it, I don't know if like TV really captures it, uh, especially when you get like back in the field. I know when Kyle Bush and we'll go into this a little bit deeper. Kyle Busch got a penalty on pit road for something that I still don't know what that was all about, but he went all the way to the back of the field. And because of the truce rule, uh, he was going to line up absolutely dead last every, like the, (laughs) the six cars in front of him all chose the high line 
the mm-hmm. high lane and he chose the bottom so he went from starting dead last to like 28th or something or 26th or 23rd or something he gained a lot of spots just by doing that and he actually held those positions because he had fresh tires uh, real quick if if somebody doesn't know what we're talking about with the choose rule they there's a uh an orange arrow kind of thing on the racetrack just past the start finish line and coming to the green uh when you get the one to go coming to green the uh whole field gets to choose whether they're going inside or outside it's just to start the next next lap some of them like the preferred lane may be on the outside so maybe the first four or five people will go straight to the outside well that means six spot now all of a sudden starts inside pole if he wants to take the inside and it just yeah. mixes it up a lot better and i I personally like it. So you can take a chance if you're back in the field and gain some spots and see if you can hold them off or you can play the safe route and get in the preferred line and just stay there, even though you might lose some spots in the process. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it really does make things a lot more interesting, uh, a lot more entertaining. And it gives, uh, some guys a lot better, uh, opportunity for track position, even if it's not the preferred line, just like you were talking about. I wish we had that uh, when I raced dirt track. I wish that was an option. It, the only option there was was like uh, the leader got to be in a lane all by himself, and then everybody else, you know, second place got to choose whether he wanted to be high side or inside on the second row, and then everybody else just fell in line after that. That was the only options we had Oh wow. when I raced. I like the uh, – anyway, I like the choose rule. So Saturday – you got to see the ARCA race and the truck race, and you got to walk in the infield a little bit, right? So Saturday, I, what happened? Okay, Friday night, I went to Humboldt Speedway, did a little uh, Twitter live, I think. Not, you know, that was just local stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Woke up at 7 and started driving to Kansas Speedway. Got there, went down on the infield, just didn't like didn't walk on the racetrack or anything like that. They have the tunnel that goes under the front straightaway like Atlanta does. Yeah. They have a tunnel. And man, I'll tell you, ooh, that tunnel was at least it's weird, right? Well, oh man, it's so weird because they have it all is. these different like colors and and it just feels like I'm tripping on something, you know. <laughs> See, the one at Atlanta, I think the racetrack, the actual front straightaway at I mean, I'm guessing it comes out behind the wall, right? In the pits. It I mean, that would have to be where it comes out at. So it's probably a pretty long tunnel at Kansas because the front straightway is really, really wide. At Atlanta, the front straightway was not wide. Uh-huh. It's because it actually it, it went under the track coming out of four. So it was before we got to the trioval part. Oh so okay. it was like you could tell you were walking the the width of the racetrack, but it wasn't near as long as you thought it would be. So like when you come out, you're like, there's no way I'm already in the infield. Hey, I'm already in the infield. You know, yeah. I yeah. can imagine that Kansas tunnel was huge. Oh, it, it is. And it was so nice because that tunnel is super like, obviously it's underground. So it's super mm-hmm. dark and stuff. And it had to be at least 30 degrees cooler <laughs> than what it was outside. Like, oh man. Uh, but yeah, watch the TVs in the tunnel. You just watch it from in there. No joke. Oh my goodness. Um, it's really cool to walk in that tunnel when like during practice or qualifying, hearing the cars right above your head. Uh, that's definitely an experience for sure. Uh, and it is super long, but it, like you were saying, it definitely goes from the catch fence all the way to the uh, inside retaining wall and stuff. Is like it that. kind of in the same place to shorten it up a little bit coming out of four, uh, coming out of four? No, it's actually going into one. Oh, okay. Well, same same principle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much for sure. Uh, 
but yeah, got to walk around. Uh, there's like a little, it's called a fan walk. You don't have access to the garage or anything like that, but you're walking in the infield, kind of seeing the haulers, the, you know, the transporters, you know, you can see the drivers walking up and down uh, the garage area and stuff like that. Uh, tech car inspection is right there. Uh, I actually have a really interesting story about that that I have not told you, Soda. So that'll oh. be fun. All this stuff. So, I mean, it's it's really it's really honestly a really neat thing to be a part of. I saw William Byron's car. I think Ryan Blaney's car, Martin Trucks Jr.'s car uh, coming off of tech. I think I shared that with our uh, Twitter page mm-hmm. and stuff. We saw you know a few videos of it, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about it is when they're pushing those cars off that platform uh, for tech, every single car's splitter, and I mean crunched <laughs> on the ground. And I'm like, oh my God, like every time it was so funny. Yeah, I didn't see any, I didn't see nearly as many uh, drivers as I did last, uh, I think in October. October, I was able to uh, meet Harrison Burton mm-hmm. in that little area. Uh, Spencer Boyd. I did not take a picture with him. I did see him again, but I don't know. I just, I didn't really, I wasn't really wanting to bother anybody. And I really wanted to just kind of meet John Hunter Nemechek, which is a Kyle Busch Motorsports driver in the truck series. And he did come over to the fence and he was like, he was standing right in front of me. And he even looked at me like we both had our sunglasses on. And, and like, we, there was like a two point second that we just, watched like looked at each other because i think he he saw my phone out and i i had like the photo uh thing on my phone and Mm -hmm. he kind of waited for me to (laughs) ask him you know and i never did because i got way too nervous and i just i chickened out (laughs) and uh so he kept on walking and the the people next to me like hey john can i get a picture of course he was super nice about it i actually tweeted that on my personal page uh twitter page at people at ethan and he actually responded to me. Did you see that? I, I didn't. I, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. <laughs> yeah, I the tweet was something like, uh, just saw John Hunter Nemechek and I got super nervous and I or something like that. And he actually quote quote tweeted me saying, uh, oh, you should have asked, don't be nervous or something like that. And I was like, dang it, I knew it. <laughs> um, but no, I did see the only cup driver that I saw in that area was Bubba Wallace Mm -hmm. and Bubba Wallace was actually like sprinting. Like he was running from the Arca truck uh, garage over to the cup series garage. And there was no way of like, Hey Bubba, can I get a, can I get a picture? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, You don't want to bother people doing that kind of stuff. Right. He was on a mission. So, and I didn't know why he was running until later when I found out that Spencer uh, Stuart Friesen actually like missed his flight or he had some sort of travel issues and he wasn't there for practice and qualifying. Uh, so they asked Bubba Wallace to shake down the truck for him and, and practice it, qualify it, uh, which makes no sense why it would qualify. Uh, because when Spencer, I guess they didn't realize, they didn't know if Spencer was going to make the race. And that would have been really, really uh, detrimental to his championship hopes because he would not have gotten any sort of points for mm-hmm. that. So I, I guess the plan was that Bubba Wallace was going to race that truck for him, but he did get there after qualifying. And so he, even though Bubba Wallace qualified the truck for him, when uh, Stewart got there, Stewart had to start the race from the back. I understand why they would have to do it because if 
he wouldn't have made the race, then Bubba Wallace would have kept his qualifying yeah. position. And, and, yeah, uh, you have you to know. get that. Well, did they have more trucks than spots? No. What? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was so that was pretty cool. I didn't I did uh I did go to Victory Lane and uh well obviously pre-race before the race, I uh, mm-hmm. went to Victory Lane, took some pictures and excuse me, had the security guard take some pictures of me. So that's my new uh profile pictures. <laughs> Across all my social media now. What what trophy was that? Was that, that was, the, the cup trophy or no? That was the truck series trophy. Okay. All but, right. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to go back down there uh, on Sunday, so I was like, "Well, I might as well take this picture now." So uh, just standing in victory is so cool, man. Yeah. I don't is. know if you've been able to do that with Talladega or, or not, but not yet. But that's it's going to happen this fall. Oh man, it's so incredibly cool if you're like a diehard NASCAR fan. Obviously, I have no aspirations of being a NASCAR driver. You know, that's never going to happen. But just thinking, like, oh man, you know, Kyle Busch stood here, Kyle Larson stood here. You know, all the people who's who's won at Kansas Speedway, Toronto. Uh, you know, like all these people have really like actually celebrated right here. It's really cool, and you can definitely like you can choose if you want to. I think you have until stage two to decide if you want to go back up to the grandstands or stay stay in that little area. And if you choose to stay in that little area, you can actually set in victory lane while the drivers are celebrating. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. And I kind of want to do that eventually one day. But I'm too. Yeah, we have that option at Talladega too, where um, we can go to the post race in victory lane if we wanted to. And, you know, I'm, I'm back and forth on that because in order to do that, we'd have to pretty much watch the end of the race in the infield. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's one thing to experience Victor lane, but it's another thing to not be able to see the end of the race, except on TV. Exactly. And it's that kind of, you have to sacrifice, you know, yeah. the best part of the race for, you know, something that you could watch from the grandstands. Um, I think it'd be really fun, and I think maybe like maybe maybe like an ARCA race, mm-hmm. you know, like just kind of sell. But then again, like, what's the point of going to Victory Lane if if you don't really know the people, you know? Yeah, yeah. So an ARCA series, you know, it's great, and I'm really happy that these guys take it super seriously. But man, it's almost a joke nowadays. There was only 19 cars. 19 cars and like only three I've of them raced were... in races that have more cars than that. <laughs> right. You know, and like, like the, I think the eighth place driver was five laps down or something like that. It's just, okay. If anybody out there has an ARCA car that they don't have a driver for, you know what? I probably won't be as bad as some of the people I've seen in ARCA. Yeah. I've, I have absolutely no experience behind, behind a wheel of a race car, but uh, I'll do it for free. <laughs> well, well, put me on Talladega. I bet I'm pretty good. <laughs> Put me on Kansas and buy me a buy me lunch and and I'll we'll talk. I do about have it. dirt experience. They have <laughs> they race on dirt too. I do have dirt experience. I'm just saying, any ARCA owner out there, hey, I'm um, a virtual NASCAR Cup Series champion <laughs> on my PS4. <laughs> um, how are the amenities at um Kansas as far as like food and not like in the in, in the infield and on the outside? I mean, they got any decent food there? I mean, it's Kansas. They got to have some like good barbecue, right? Yeah, the one thing that comes to mind, the one word that comes to mind is expensive. Good yeah. night, nurse. Holy moly. $5 for a bottle of water, uh, $6 for, you know, soda. If you want like a like a hamburger and like fries and stuff, that that's going to cost you north of $10. But no, I mean, 
it's very limited actually mm. most of it it's kind of the same thing it's chicken tenders and fries hamburger hot dog uh popcorn yeah, yeah just know, basic stuff yeah yeah i saw somebody that had pizza and like uh but it wasn't like pizza pizza it was like uh you know those like mall pizza yeah it was like <laughs> like tony's pizza mm -hmm. from walmart or something it just looked cheap and, and like cardboard so you know that's one thing i i I've been kind of disappointed because, man, like you're in Kansas City, the home of the best barbecue in the world, baby. Like, let's get some barbecue. And, man, I I haven't seen one single barbecue place uh, See, unless I'm just missing it. So I don't know. I'm I'm always curious about that because when we went to Daytona, I thought Daytona did a really good job with a lot of different varieties. You get all sorts of pulled pork and barbecue brisket, all sorts of stuff like this. They even had a moonshine stand oh, wow. at one point. I thought Daytona did really good and it was actually decently priced. Really? As well. Let's get into the race at Kansas. I thought Kansas had, I thought they put on a really good show. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the Arca race was whatever. The truck race yeah. was decent, but man, that cup race was fantastic. Oh, so good. Yeah, I saw a lot of um, four and five wide racing for the corners for a lot of it too right towards the uh you know right right at the restarts and stuff but even after that people still they didn't have this problem with like uh arrow as much as they have in the past and i guess it's a new car because it's designed for that right you know the car is designed to kind of dirty up the air coming out the back of it that's what that diffuser's for on the rear end yeah so you don't get this wall of air behind a car anymore and that keeps cars behind it from pulling up to it. Like it in the past, it's, it's called like an arrow push where if the, uh, the car in front of you is pushing through the air and it's creating a wall behind it. So when you get to about six, seven, eight car lengths and you're catching them and you're clearly faster, you get, you hit this wall and your car can't handle in this wall. You either have to get through it somehow or just stay where you are because you're not going to be able to pass it. Yeah. Absolutely. And with this new car, it's not like that as much. And you could see it. They were able to run right on each other a lot during this race. And I thought the race turned out really well. Really well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, probably my favorite Kansas Speedway race I've ever attended, for sure. It was really good. And it was really cool to see uh, Kurt Busch win. I'm not a major Kurt Busch fan, but I don't hate the guy. He's, he's grown on me a lot over the years. Uh, guy, apparently he's, I, I was thinking about the other day, he is the only one that actually raced with Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. That's still there. I mean, uh, in the Cup Series. I don't think Kevin Harvick did because he didn't come into Cup Series until after he died. I don't know if he ever raced a, a Bush Series race with him. Yeah, Kurt Bush was in that Daytona 500 that Dale Earnhardt died in. And I think he is the only driver there that was there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other one I could think of was Matt Kenseth, but obviously he's oh, not. Oh, yeah, he's, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, so Kurt Busch, um, and I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't I don't think there's anybody else. Uh, his rookie year is 2001. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. So the Earnhardt flipped him off in that, in that race. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Kurt Busch is the only one. That's and he fact. won in the 45. Now, that's special because this past week was uh, the week. It, there was a specific day. I forget which day it was. But this past week passed the anniversary of Adam Petty's death. And he drove the 45 car. Kurt Busch and that crew, Denny Hamlin, the owner, he went to Kyle Petty because this is Michael Jordan's number. 23 and 45 were Michael Jordan's numbers. It makes the most sense that those be his race car numbers. And if they're available, they're available. But nobody's used the 45 since 
Cal Petty got out of it because Cal Petty drove the 45 in honor of his son, which was his number, obviously. So Denny Hamlin went to Kyle Petty. This was 2008, the last time 45 was run. Denny Hamlin went to Kyle Petty and asked permission because NASCAR told Denny, hey, we're not touching this number unless Kyle Petty gives you the okay. NASCAR's real protective of this number. They did the same thing with the three. Yes. They were real protective of it. The only person that could run the three was the person that owned it, and that was Richard Childress. And he eventually did bring the three back. So Denny Hamlin went to Cal Petty, and Cal Petty was like, you know what? He's been gone longer now than he's been alive. It's time to move on. He was 19 when he died, and he died 22 years ago, 21 years ago at the time. Jeez. So he said, it's time to move on. Go ahead. Drive the number. Take it. I hope you win with it. Yeah. And I'll be danged. It happened the week that he died. Yeah. 22 years later. Yep. 22 years later. Saturday was the 22. May 12th. That's the date. May 12th was the day Adam Petty died in 2000. Amazing. It's just, it's, it's so funny. That's not really funny. Little deep. Not going to get that deep into it. I believe things happen for reasons. Oh, absolutely. And there's too much coincidence in a lot of things that happen with, you know, this sport especially, but in, in a lot of things in life, there's too much coincidence for me to just say, wow, that all happened just circumstantially. You know, I just, yeah, what a big, you know, what are the odds of all that happening? Oh, well, let's move on. No, things, I feel like things happen for reasons, for healing reasons, for, I don't know. I think things happen the way that they're supposed to a lot of times because you can't write some of this stuff. Right. You, you can't, I mean, somebody wrote some of this kind of stuff that you see in um, certain situations in life and sports and all this. And you say, well, that's fake. Obviously they wrote that, you know, there's no way that could actually happen in real life. But I mean, come on, but I don't know. I, I don't want to get that deep on that kind of stuff, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. All that happened this weekend, the way it did. I mean, absolutely. Like, um i'll say this and then we can move on but like uh dale earnhardt jr winning the 2001 pepsi 400 the Mm -hmm. year the same year that his father passed away on the last lap of the daytona 500 come back you know and he hadn't won until that race that year yeah and then you think of uh 2010 when dale earnhardt jr raced the number three uh red or uh, blue and yellow wrangler car in an xfinity series I think he led every single lap of that race and he ended up winning that race. Like just, just so many like absolute Cinderella stories mm-hmm. in this sport. And that's why I love it so much. This was no exception. Kurt Busch absolutely had the best car of the day. He had to fight for it. Oh my goodness. Getting around Kyle Busch. I don't know if TV, you know, did it justice, but man, he, Kyle did not just let him have it. No, Kyle Busch raced his brother like, crazy and then when you got the kyle larson who was the leader at the time kurt bush he earned it didn't i don't think he touched him you know i know there's uh, a lot of oh he didn't he did you know and even kyle um i believe kyle larson's spotter came on the radio after kyle fenced it and said oh 45 dumped us fenced us kyle larson said no he didn't like no i i overdrove yeah. it I, you know yeah, so kyle I thought, larson said specifically he said i had to drive it like that just so i could hold my line yeah just so i could hold that position because i wasn't going to give it up and dang, dang he hit the wall like four or five times during yeah the race. he did my he, goodness well toyota had the race oh, toyota absolutely. was all over the top five with the exception of kyle larson and william byron but william byron had a flat i a lot of people had flats i think it's a camber issue 
I think it's being too aggressive on the camber because it's all the same tire. I think they're being too aggressive on the left rear. Mm -hmm. Main, mainly the Chevys were. Martin Truex was. I heard an interview after the fact with Kyle Busch. He's like, I don't know why the 19 had an issue. I guess they're more aggressive than we were, but we learned our lesson. Kyle Busch said that. So we learned our lesson and we're not going to be that aggressive with the camber anymore. With these thin tires, these, these tires have a really, really thin um, sidewall. And yeah. when you mess with the camber, which is how the uh, tire is positioned up and down, um, because sometimes you adjust it so it hits the banking better and you get a better patch of uh, grip going through the corners. But at the same time, when you're going on straightaways, when you're not on the banking, the whole tire might not be making contact. So the inside or outside wears out faster than the rest of the tire because all the pressure is put on that one spot. So if the tire can't handle it, then you're going to end up popping a lot of them. The Toyotas seem to back off on that, but the Chevys have not. And I can't remember if any Fords had any issues because I don't remember any Fords being in contention. But I, No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, Fords are whatever they had at the beginning of the year, everybody else figured it out and then some. And Fords haven't figured out anything. Yeah, They're, Fords are struggling right now. <laughs> they are. They really are. Toyota right now is is where it's at. They, they're even surpassing the Chevys. Some quick Kurt Busch stuff. Uh, I love this paint scheme up oh, close. Yes. On the racetrack, I just thought it was a great car. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it looked on TV. Up close, the thing was beautiful. And oh, yeah. And the fire suit matched, and I saw the actual shoe. Eric from uh, Doing the Favor actually uh, posted a picture of the shoe. You know, he has that, that pair of shoes. Yeah, that, I actually That saw car that. was designed, Yeah. He uh, replied to one of the uh, uh, In the Marbles tweets with a picture of the shoe. I mean, it looked great with the car. I mean, they if the die cast actually comes in a shoe box, that'd be one. To, <laughs> that'd be a hard one to pass up, right? If it came in a Jordan shoe box, I'm thinking they're going to end up doing it because Denny Hamlin replied. Oh yeah, to a die cast question about that and said, "Well, there's a lot of interest in this, so I say let's go ahead and do it." So yeah. I think. It's going to happen. There was some licensing stuff with it, but I think it's going to happen. And I want to see it in a shoebox. It doesn't need to come in a dang, <laughs> a normal die cast box. It needs to come in a shoebox and it opens up like a normal shoe and it'd be wrapped up in bubble wrap or whatever. And then you can take it out and display it with the shoebox. That's what I feel like it needs to be. It needs to be special. Something like, something like what Mattel would do with a Slim Jim Macho Man figure, mm. you know, or, or the G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter figure, something different. It doesn't have to be the same. Yeah, yeah it'd be I'm, completely different. I'm totally okay with that. And, you know, one thing about me is like with my diecast uh, obsession or, or addiction, I've really had to slow down on, mm. um, you know, just for the financial downfall that I always put myself That's in. why I like 164 scale cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're $5. So <laughs> what, I, what I do is every event that I go to, I always buy the race version diecast car, whether it's trucks, Xfinity, or uh, Cup Series. Obviously, Monster Energy does not like making money. Yeah, um, and Tell they me about it. they like put this thing on like their licensing licensing issues with NASCAR that Monster Energy's logo will not be on any sort of merchandise, whether it's shirts, hats, diecast cars, anything. So when Ty Gibbs, what four or five, yeah, four mm-hmm. or five races that he's won in the Xfinity Series has been with the Monster Energy paint scheme. There's a ton of Ty Gibbs fans that would have bought those race cars and probably sold them out. And I mean, that alone, you know, 70, 74, 75 bucks per ARC uh, die cast, 124 scale die cast car. Man, that's a lot of money. And um, now with Kurt Busch and stuff, 
I'm scared because with Kurt Busch, like you have to go through the Jordan uh, brand for the paint scheme, and then with that Monster Energy logo on the la- uh, what rear fender, of course that just wouldn't be there, mm-hmm. you know. But so that's where I'm kind of getting a little nervous because I really, really want this diecast. I've been to several truck races and Xfinity races where that race version diecast car doesn't get made, but I have always had the race version diecast car of the Cup Series race. I never remember that being an issue when I was a kid. I mean, we saw every single sponsor multiple times. I mean, I mean, we didn't see like the beer ones in store, right. and you still don't see that kind of stuff now. You have to get the uh, ones from the NASCAR haulers or NASCAR.com for the $10 64 yeah. scale to get that, which, I mean, I don't mind my kids having that because, I mean, they're not going to go drink Bush beer <laughs> just because Kevin Harvick's got a little Bush car. I, they just want right. something they see on TV, right? Right, exactly. It's like the video games. Now, nowadays, my uh, age is on the video game. So mm-hmm. it knows I'm over 21. So it gives me all the Bush cars and the Miller cars and stuff. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm so glad I don't have to, to drive a car that says Brad on it. Yeah. Oh, instead of light, it's My it's goodness. so, and it makes the Rusty Wallace uh, retro scheme look so good because it oh, actually yeah. is authentic instead of just saying Rusty on the side. Yeah, Rusty. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, Monster Energy is funny because they did they they also did a monster truck a while back. I I don't know if they still do a monster truck or not. They uh they had a Monster Energy monster. I guess they do. But they would never make a diecast. There is a monster truck diecast. We we were big in the Monster Jam. My my kids and and us, we were real big in the Monster Jam. We we just went to one in Atlanta a few weeks ago. They never made a Monster Energy diecast. They made a diecast of every single monster truck from the most obscure to fantasy ones to whatever. They made a diecast of every single one of them. They would never make a Monster Energy one. And the only really? way you could get one is a custom one on eBay. You have to spend 40 or $50 because somebody put little Monster Energy decals on a black truck. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's because a lot of this stuff is marketed towards kids. And I don't think they want their brand associated with children. I think that's what's going on with it. Because you don't ever see any diecasts of them, any toy cars, any any hats or shirts or anything like that sold at these events, even yeah. with monster energy being like a title sponsor, because they are, they still the monster energy cup series. They just cup series now sponsored mm-hmm. by four or five different things, right? Yeah. It's just the NASCAR cup series. And I think I could be wrong, but I thought monster was still part of it, but I guess it might not be because I know Coca-Cola is and a few others, even with them as a title sponsor. I don't remember seeing a lot of merch, maybe some hats and shirts and stuff like that, but definitely no toys. And I think the big thing is they don't want their stuff associated with kids. Yeah. I think the last monster energy diecast car that we had for NASCAR was the, uh, I believe 2019 race version, Kurt Busch, Kentucky. Win? I bet it wasn't available on 164 scale either. It was, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, it just wasn't available on 164, but I think that was the last one they ever, you know, they ever made for Monster. It's a unicorn, so if you have it, lucky yeah, you. Seriously. You know. Um, Eric Jones had something funny happen on Pit Road. He had his wheel get stuck. I, I saw where um I saw where the tire changer actually had an interview during the race after that whole situation. And they were laughing about it because it was so weird. 
It's just a yeah. strange situation. He said when he put it on, he felt like something was wrong. He was he let the crew know. He's like, I think this is going to be a pain to get off when we come back in. And sure enough, it was. They spent several laps on pit road. They could not get this one lug off. And they eventually had to go get a Sawzall and cut the wheel off right there on pit road. Yeah. And it, it took several, several laps. I think it took them five or six caution laps to get that done. Weird, weird situation. I've never seen that before, but all they could do was laugh about it, I guess. Yeah, it was a very weird situation. And, and it made it even weirder when the guy in front of me, like literally right in front of me, decided to, I haven't talked to him all race long. When that happens, he turns around and he gives me like a play-by-play of what's going on down on pit road, even though I'm watching the exact same thing he is. <laughs> like, does that half turn he puts his arm on the seat next to him and he's reaching back and like talking to me he's like oh here comes the chainsaw nope that didn't work here comes the sawzall nope that didn't work you know and i'm like okay man i'm watching like i'm watching with you buddy and <laughs> it was just the weirdest <laughs> thing um but yeah just completely weird situation and and that's kind of what we're gonna we're gonna experience that you know with this one lug nut uh style of tire uh you know wheel that we have you know a lot of unknowns that we're going to discover the more and more we get into it so um i'm glad that they kind of understood that it's just a, a a weird thing that happened and they were able to laugh about it but if i was eric jones i certainly wouldn't be laughing about it um puts him a lot deeper in the field because i he didn't come back out i think uh, he was done i don't think he came back out did he, he, he I, i'm not sure i'm not sure huh. i don't know i don't watch the 43 but yeah i i don't know like just crazy a weird thing for sure so speaking of pit stops i saw where kyle bush's crew actually broke the nine second barrier yes they they are the first team in nascar history to complete a full four tire stop and fuel in under nine seconds yes i remember when 13 seconds was this amazing thing or mm -hmm. 15. So I remember Rusty Wallace had like the uh, fastest pit stop in the mid nineties at one point with 15.6. Everybody went yeah. insane. And now we're breaking nine seconds. That's so hard for me to wrap my head around. Think about this for the listeners. Listen to this changing four tires and getting with two people know, with two, two people, people changing four tires i mean you got a jack man two people changing it isn't like there's one person on each tire at the same time right right two people changing four tires you have the gas man packing the car full of fuel and they got four tires and fuel in 8.94 seconds mm -hmm. that i mean if you're not blown away by that i don't know you know uh, that's just incredible. He didn't win, though. Oh, come on. So, that, well, I, hey, that was my pick. Well, that's my pick every day, too. But dang, your, man. Your pick, your pick beat my pick <laughs> by one spot. I really wish, I really wish you would have won this race. It was looking uh, good there for a minute, especially if <laughs> Kyle Larson hit the wall. I was like, all right, Kyle Bush is going to catch him. No, he didn't. He, he stayed in front of him. Yeah. But your pick finished second. My pick finished third, which great day for both of us. But yeah, absolutely. you know what? You know how many seconds that makes for you? Three. Four, three. Okay. Three second place finishes all in the last five races. Yeah. The well, last two races were second place finishes. Could you imagine if all those were wins though? Man. They were close. They were close. Dang it. <laughs> let, me, let me bring up the uh bring up the tweet real quick. The soda's pick, reading my Twitter now. Soda's pick, Kyle Bush finished third today, which brings his average finish for the year up to 12.61, better than a 14 like it was last 
yes. last week with one win. I'm going to hold that win over you. I don't care if I lose this or not. I'm going <laughs> to hold that one Daytona 500 win over you. And I'll talk about what that Daytona 500 win did for me later on. Ethan picked Kyle Larson. He finished second, which keeps him ahead with an average finish of 9.46. You have broken the top 10. Yes, absolutely. Two straight second place finishes. Five top fives. I do not have that many top fives. Pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I have a first, a third, a fourth, a third. That's one, two, three. Five. I have four top fives. This isn't that's bad, bad. Yeah, that's but not bad at I all. also have uh, a 36th, a 20th, and a 30th. Yeah. I think you don't. I think you have 126th. Actually, you don't even have, you have a 29th. You have 129th place finish. Everything else is on top 20. That's yeah. why you're you're winning. I just I just really know NASCAR, and I'm kind of a big deal when it comes to uh, picking drivers to win. Well, second. Well, second, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Man. <laughs> I'm going to get that win, though, and it's going to come this weekend, but we'll get into that here in a few well, minutes. I wanted to ask you about this weekend before we get into uh, the next topic. Do you okay. want to make picks for the all-star race? It's not absolutely. a points race. Well, we're going to have to make picks based on people we know is absolutely in the all-star race. That's like you fine. can't don't, don't go off, you know, on a tangent and say, this guy's going to win out of the open because you're not, not everybody is guaranteed to be in the all-star race winners right. from last year, past all-star winners and past champions, I believe is still the criteria and winners from this year up to this point are eligible to race in the big race. If you're not eligible, you have to race your way in. There's usually two, maybe three people that get race their way in. I think it's two and a fan vote or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right now, I think Tyler Reddick is winning the fan vote. But if he races the way in, then it's going to go to the next person in line. So speaking of the all-star race, I want to talk about something that I feel uh, happened with diecasts. This is something from when I was a kid. We have been invited to eventually go on the uh, TV toy cast and talk about NASCAR diecasts in depth, which will be a lot of fun. That's going to happen in the future sometime, and I'm not going to get a whole lot into that, but me and Ethan have both been invited. That's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that. Oh, I am so, so, so excited about that. I collected diecasts pretty much when they started. Mm -hmm. Like, before 1990, you had the occasional Hot Wheels and uh, maybe Matchbox and... I think Ertl, they would make the off offhand NASCAR, but they didn't have a series. Like nobody had a big full series of every single driver that showed up at Walmart shelves or Kmart shelves or whatever all the time. Racing champions took the line. And in 1990, they started making full sets of these cars. Yeah. And that was something, they were 94 cent. And that was something that, I look forward to every time I went to these stores to see what new cars they had. Cause it seems like they always had some new cars and I would get every single one of them. It was easy when you were a kid because you get everything. They were only a dollar. Some of the ones that you kept in the package back then were worth a lot of money. I had yeah. at one point, I started keeping them in package in 1994. And I had at one point around 98, 99, according to a magazine that came out called uh, diecast digest. It was basically it's like a Beckett type magazine for diecast. Mm -hmm. And it had every single thing listed out, like what people were paying for it, what they're worth, the little variations of each one of them. Cause a lot of them had little things different. Like this one had different colored wheels or rims. This one would have uh, a misspelling on top of the car or something like that. 
maybe this one little sponsor logo was added halfway through the run. So it's more valuable than the one without it. I had at one point, according to that magazine, $10,000 plus worth of 164 scale and a couple 124 scale, but mostly 164 scale die casts from Racing Champions, Hot Wheels, Pit Row, if you remember that. I think it was made by Matchbox, Pit Row was. I'm not sure about that. The Haulers, uh, Action, RCCA, all this stuff. I had so much. And then it all crashed. I can go right now. Down the street, I saw it pop up on Facebook yard sale just yesterday. This guy has a trailer, a utility trailer, parked in his yard. And he laid 300-plus die-cast NASCARs, 164 scale, all wrapped, like, still in their blister pack. Completely mint on card. And the packages look good, too. He had them all laid out with some haulers, too, from the uh, early 90s, like Kyle Petty, Ricky Rudd from the 5 car. Stuff like that. He had all this laid out. 300 plus. He was asking 300. Dude, that makes me sick. Because I had more than that, probably. Right? Yeah. And I've since gotten rid of a lot of it because it's not worth crap. It's not worth anything. And it was just taking up space. I mean, a lot of it's like memories and stuff, but I was collecting everybody. Right. You know, I had people I didn't care about. You know, I, I kind of did that same thing to my wrestling collection not too long ago. I purged it. You know, I just kind of kept the stuff that meant the most to me. I did that to the NASCAR collection, too. But at one point, I was collecting everything I saw because it was new. That makes me sick to think that in the mid-90s, that collection right there was probably about a maybe a $1,200 collection. Yeah. But now, he's having to reduce the price on it because nobody wants it. Oh, man. I can go into any flea market or antique mall. I, I saw some the other day. I saw a 1991 Richard Petty STP uh, Pontiac in you know, Racing Champions in its package, perfect condition, five bucks. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and I saw Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace did have some paint problems on the actual car itself. But I saw, remember last week we were talking about the black and gold 27? Yeah. Rusty Wallace, I saw that car. Same thing, 1990. I, I think the uh, back then Racing Champions – their packaging had a white number one on it. And I think in 91 or 92, they switched over to a red 51 on the package. But it was the package with the white number one on it. It was five bucks. Oh. That three pack, I think I showed you not too long ago, the 1992 Daytona 500 three pack, the top three with Davey Allison, Morgan Shepard, and oh my gosh, I forgot the other one that's in it. But there's three of them in it. The top three finishers of the 1992 Daytona 500, they're on that black card from racing champions all three of them there i think i got it for like six bucks oh my goodness yeah i saw an alan kawicki also 1993 alan kawicki for um i think for five or six bucks too you just you can't that used to be a 50 dollar car oh yeah <laughs> an alan kawicki car would maybe more than that and i know why it crashed and this is why i thought this when it happened and i still think this to this day i blame dale earnhardt what? dale earnhardt is the reason why the NASCAR diecasting crashed in the late 90s. And none of that stuff before it are worth anything nowadays. Like, when they come out new now, they don't come out near as frequently as they used to, for one. Now they pick and choose what they're going to do. They don't do everything. And they're very selective about what they do. And they come out in waves of six at a time or eight at a time in stores. Right. Back then, it was just flood them and people bought them. Because I remember them just coming out all sorts of different times. Uh -huh. And everybody was always out there. 
they'd always re-release the big guys constantly. And this back then when I was a kid, people ran one paint scheme. Dale Earnhardt always had a black three. Cal Petty always had the Mel Yellow 42. Davey Allison always had the black and gl- day glow orange 28. Rusty Wallace always had the black and gold two. It was always like that. And then when it kept going, they, you know, they, their paint scheme would change from year to year, but it would always be one car all year long. You didn't have five, six, seven different paint schemes through the year. This, this stuff started. Now, there's a sponsorship model that started that too later on. In 1995, Dale Earnhardt did something for GM Goodwrench. I think it was the 25th anniversary of GM Goodwrench. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what that was because it was a silver three car. Dale Earnhardt had not driven anything but a black car since 1988. And in 1995, for this race, the All-Star race, he decided he was going to do something special. He teamed up with Action. I think he I think he became part owner of that company or Action had his rights or something like that. There was something there was an agreement with him and Earnhardt, which is why Earnhardt did this stuff. He knew it would sell toys. That's it. He knew it would sell diecast because that was a big thing in the mid 90s. Oh yeah. He teamed up with Action and they made that silver car in all sorts of different styles. I'm talking 164 scale, 164 scale like elite style cars, uh 124th scale regular style, 124th scale uh elites that had back then the elites had like the cloth window nets and the roof flaps would come up and all that kind of stuff. Um then they made banks. They had all sorts of different variations of this three car in silver. And everybody bought every one of them. So the next year come around, he did it again with the Olympics. He had the red, white, and blue number three. And then everybody caught on because then you had people like Daryl Waltrip in 97. He had his legacy series where he had a chrome car. He had a Tim Flock looking car, I think, at one point. It might be, it might be a different year, but I think he had a Tim Flock looking car. He had a tide looking car he had a mountain dew looking car a Gatorade looking car all of his old old style cars he ran in 97 so they kept coming out with diecast in and they don't run the wheaties car and then some more people ran cars jeff gordon ran a jurassic park car in the all-star race the all-star race used to be the special paint scheme race that used right. to be in the late 90s that that used to be where everybody would come out with a new paint scheme for diecast purposes and then 98 hit, and it all it all blew up. Everybody's like, well, if it works in uh, the All-Star race, we're going to do it every every single weekend. You know, so Mark Martin had like six different Valvoline schemes he ran when he always ran red, white, and blue Valvoline. Now, all of a sudden, he's running a gray one. He's running a black one. And, and they're selling all these die casts. And then the 50th anniversary hit, and they said, well, we can go even further. We'll chrome everything. Gold. Half the die casts that we release are going to be gold and they'll be limited edition. Yeah, I saw one of those gold limited edition ones on Macari for five bucks. <sighs> like one of 3,000 pieces or something like that. Yeah, they're not worth anything because they oversaturated the market. The drivers and teams oversaturated the market in the late 90s because Dale Earnhardt's silver die cast sold so well and his red, white, and blue die cast sold so well that every other team decided they're going to do this and racing champions jumped on board and they decided they were going to do this, creating all these different versions of these chromed out cars and these five or six car sets of all these different sponsors. And they oversaturated the market so much that it crashed. And by the late nineties and early two thousands, nobody cared, nobody cared. And racing champions lost their license with it. 
And then you saw people like Winter Circle try to pick it up, but nothing was ever the same. Nothing was ever like it used to be. Racing Champions, if you look on the back of one of these cards on Racing Champions in like 92, look at how many drivers they have. Mm-hmm. Like just flip over the back. If you have one lying around, if you have one lying around or not, I have one in here somewhere. Look up online or something. Just look at the back of a 1992 black card racing champions car. They had at least 40 drivers listed. Oh, yeah. Easily. It's, it's, it had little check marks where mm-hmm. you could check off which ones did you got. Nowadays, it's not like that. And it hasn't been like that for 20-something years. And I 100% blame Earnhardt. <laughs> it's well, all his fault. And you know I'm right. <laughs> you know I'm right. I mean... You know, if that wasn't, and now I'm a complete diecast advocate. I love diecast cars. I put myself in financial downfalls because of diecast cars. I love them. Looking at it, you know, if that wouldn't have happened with the Silver Earnhardt car, maybe like diecast cars weren't going to be as cool as they are today. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think, I think the market is perfectly fine uh, with diecast. It's different. It's just different now. It yeah. used to be one way, and then they they did that with that silver car, and everybody else saw this, and they jumped on board with it because the only reason he ran that car was to sell merchandise. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and if I was Earnhardt, I probably would have done the same thing, to be completely honest with you. And what I'm saying is, like, you know, we were, we were just talking about how everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, I feel like if that wouldn't have happened, maybe diecast cars wouldn't have been as big as they are today. Um, I think they probably would have been, but not as, um, for at least for me personally, they wouldn't be so like desirable. You know, I mean, that's all I, you know, we say on here that we're both big wrestling fans, figure fans, you know, all that stuff. I've been collecting diecast cars way longer than I've even been a fan of pro wrestling. I mean, that's how my dad would, he would kind of, he would kind of bribe me to do my homework and stuff. You know, we had these things called mad minutes. I don't know if you know what those are, uh, like math problems. Uh, and you'd have one minute to answer as many math problems as, as possible. And my dad always told me like, okay, we'll go out to Walmart, and pick out a $5 race car. If you, you know, do good on your, your mad minute or something like that. And it, it really, you know, taught me how to, you know, car parmentalize, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit, but, um, no, I'm, I, you know, I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, absolutely, Dale Earnhardt did that just for merchandise. I mean, heck yeah, he did, you know. Um, but I'm I'm almost glad he did because I personally don't have any Dale Earnhardt diecast in my collection. Um, and I would love a silver a silver bullet uh in mm-hmm. my in my diecast collection for sure. Uh, I hope it's something that Lionel Racing um uh, revisits you know they just they just produced his uh richard petty's raced version 200th career win which one- my kids ordered that for me for christmas the 164 scale version of it so that's gonna be really cool when it finally gets here yeah that, i mean that's that's awesome right that's fantastic and um i don't know i just i'm thankful that dale Earnhardt did that and and winter circle popped on and and you know uh everything kind of happened the way it did, you know, it might not have been um, a glorious thing, you know, when when my ten thousand dollar NASCAR collection turned into about five hundred bucks worth of junk. Yeah, actually, that yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe uh, I'm a little bitter about it. <laughs> really? 
I don't. I, a little a, a box full of diecast cars, and I can't sell them for a dollar a piece. I'll buy them for a dollar. You know, <laughs> well, they're gone now. No, but... oh, well, thing. <laughs> Um, no, I completely understand your frustration about that. Like 100%. I'd be, I'd be pretty hot to chat about that as well, but I like that they went that route with it at the same time. I hate they went that route. Oh, absolutely. Because nobody was responsible with it. If they were all responsible with what was happening, then the market would not have crashed. And I would not be going to these antique mall, uh, mall, seeing 30 year old cars that should be gaining value. Hmm as they sit and you know instead of just going for basically what i pay for them at walmart oh yeah back in 1990 you yeah. know it's just i don't know i feel like there was good and bad that came out of it i love these special paint schemes but nowadays there are no special paint schemes not at all when kurt bush runs a random special paint scheme at kansas instead of waiting a week for the all-star race why wouldn't he run that next week i mean why wouldn't he you know that is such a unique paint scheme Oh, absolutely. why would you run it at a random middle of the season race like Kansas? Well, run it at the all-star race. Well, that's for, where that scheme goes. For one, Kansas Speedway is a special racetrack. Okay. Like that's my race. What is, what is special <laughs> about it with Michael Jordan and Kurt Busch? Well, I, you know, don't put me on the spot like that. Soda, gosh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Chicago would have been good. It doesn't run anymore. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's plenty of North Carolina racetracks that, I mean, I guess there's only really one now. If it was at Charlotte, I mean, because he didn't he play for North Carolina? He owns. Michael Jordan in, in he, um, basketball in college? Yeah. He owns so, the team. As much, little as I know, as little as I know about basketball, I don't know anything about basketball. I know Michael Jordan and a couple of uh, places he played. I mean, I understand this. Why Kansas? Because Kansas. Is it a Nike headquarters or something? No, Kansas is just cool. It's cool to live in Kansas. What's up? My, my point is <laughs> you have a very, very special paint scheme like that. One of the best schemes all year long, period. Yes. I mean, it just straight up is. Yeah. Other than like some throwbacks, maybe. It's just non-throwback wise, this is the, one of the best schemes all year long for I mean, anybody. Yeah. And you don't run it at the special race coming up like in what four or five days from now. Yeah. Why don't you do that? I, it, oh, that frustrates me so bad. I completely understand what you're saying. Like, I absolutely agree. Like, that should have been a the 42 cars already had like six or seven schemes this year, and we're only 13 races in. Yeah, that's true. And like, that's the thing, you know, it went from special paint schemes to secondary sponsors. Mm hmm. You know, and that's that's all it comes down to. You know, I mi I do miss the days of, you know, one like the primary sponsor and then special paint schemes because it really gave a meaning to those special paint schemes, like you're alluding to. Yeah, now, like, like, if, like Kyle Bush. Yeah, like Kyle Bush. He runs several different types of M and M's all year long. Right. Right, and then several different candy companies sometimes all year long too. Yes. Sometimes he'll run Skittles. Sometimes he'll have his basic M and M scheme. Sometimes he'll have a red, white, and blue M and M scheme. Sometimes he'll have the Halloween version. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'll have some random off the wall fan vote color, which I think one year was like pink or something. I don't yep. even know. It was. They always like to throw because Ken Schrader got put in a pink car too once mm. with that. They always like to throw these driving in pink cars. Like pink looks bad on a race car. I always thought pink looked good on a race car, but yeah, you know, that's whatever. 
stands out on the racetrack because there ain't that many pink cars out there. I always yeah, thought that sure. was a neat color out there. You want something that you can see. Yeah. Nowadays, it's literally a different paint scheme every two or three races. Pro some people week to week, and you might run seven or eight schemes through the whole year, and it would change week to week. I understand the sponsorship models changed where they don't have one main sponsor for a year. Now there's packages. Like right. you sponsor four races here, you sponsor two races, you sponsor eight races here. And that's kind of where your paint schemes come from. I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like you could do something traditional because Dale Earnhardt made it a tradition. You had Jeff Gordon running a Jurassic Park car. You had him running a Chrome Illusion car that changed colors on the racetrack once during the All-Star race. Mm. Mark Martin ran a special paint scheme one one year with that actually i think the first special paint scheme he ran he ran like the next year's paint scheme at the brickyard one year i think it was 95 he ran the next year's valvoline scheme a few races early at the brickyard everybody oh. loved it so much that he just went with that for the next year it was like a special valvoline scheme that he wound up running after that race which was that was neat see that was different maybe he was one of the first ones to do it earnhardt did it first but then mark martin wound up doing it too at the brickyard which was a big race. That's cool. I like it when they do stuff like that for big races. Maybe not the Daytona 500. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not Daytona 500 because that's kind of what you want to establish your year with. And you don't want a special paint scheme for the Daytona 500. You know, yeah. that's like, this is, this is our, our, this is our team. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, these are our colors for the year. And then you run your special schemes during the big races, like throwback weekend or all-star race, or maybe a big event like the Brickyard or maybe the Coke 600, not Coke 600, the Coke, Coke zero 400 that used to be the Pepsi 400. used to be a firecracker oh, 400. Yeah. I was like, they, what? They <laughs> named so many different races Coke now. They've yeah. changed it so much. I get confused on what's what. They went from Pepsi to Coke to Coke zero. Like it's the soda 400. <laughs> at, <laughs> yeah. The soda 400 at Daytona. Yeah. Now in October of all all places, not July. Isn't it October now? No. What is it now? It's not July. It's not. It's uh. It's not July 4th. It's, it's the cutoff for the playoffs. So it's so, September? September? Late August. September? August. No, it's late September, right? I have to look at the schedule. Ten they weeks. change it so much. <laughs> What's 10 weeks from the first week of November. And that was, that's November, right? So yeah. it had to be at the end of it, August. Or yeah, August. it'd have to be the end of August, I think. But um, so something to kind of carry on what you're saying. Uh, I know most of our listeners are pro wrestling fans. And, you know, in WWE, we have like the big four pay-per-views, you know, Royal Rumble, mm -hmm. SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series. So Special gear, right? Yeah, exactly. So kind of like with NASCAR, we, we have um, – like big races we have the daytona 500 which is like our wrestlemania and that's what our season starts with so right out of the gate the boom the biggest race of the of the year everybody tries to win it i'm okay with that being a special paint scheme but then you have like las vegas auto club bristol all these smaller tracks not as big of a deal right and then you get uh, to just they're just schedule fillers yeah exactly and then you have uh the southern 500 at Darlington, that's a pretty big. That's a that's a pillar. Um, obviously, that's also a well, not anymore. But uh, Southern Five Hundred at Darlington is a big one. Uh, they also go back to Darlington for the Throwback Weekend. Big fan of that. 
as well. So Darlington, Daytona, Brist the Bristol night race, it's always one that you try to win at all costs. Special paint scheme, definitely. And then the all-star race. Um, I got your analogy. I got your analogy right here. Okay. Kurt Busch brought out his special gear for Great Balls of Fire when he should have waited to the next pay-per-view at SummerSlam. Okay. That's perfect. That's really, that's perfect. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Yes. And you know I'm right. Great Balls of Fire. It's a funny name. Okay. But it's a, <laughs> it's a, just, it's a pay-per-view. It's like Kansas. Okay. Kansas is a race. There's not a huge purse with it. It doesn't have this grand, you know, history in the sport. It's 20 years old. Right. It's not like some of these races, like the all-star race is, I think, almost 40 years old now. Yes. Some of these tracks, even Texas isn't that way, but the race itself is that way. Yes. And Charlotte is 50, 60 years old. Darlington, 56 years old. Daytona, Talladega's that old. You know I mean? All these these tracks like that, are they're so old. They have such a lineage and history in the sport. Yeah. Kansas is new-ish, and the race is not a high marquee race. It's just, it's another race. I mean, as much as I, you know, you love the track, and it is your home track, and it's special to you and anybody that goes to that race yearly. In the grand scheme of the schedule, it's just a race. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like no Talladega's way. that way, too. Talladega's an eventful race, but... Even as old as that race is, there's some history to the track. But in the end of the day, it's not any different than winning Michigan at Kentucky or Michigan or something yeah. like that. It's not any different. Yeah. I, there's not a grandeur for Talladega. It's it's like a, a mystique of the track, but it's not, I don't know, it's not Daytona 500, Coca-Cola 600. Now, it was one of the big ones in the Winston, so maybe there's yes. something to Talladega that I'm not giving it credit for. Because back in the day, they had a uh, a program where you could win three of the four major races, which was the Southern 500, the Talladega 500, the Coca-Cola 600, and the Daytona 500. If you won three of those four, you won a million-dollar bonus. Yeah. Funny story. First year and last year it was implemented, it was one. There was never one in between. It was won by Bill Elliott the first year and Jeff Gordon the last year. And then from then on, they went to other bonuses. But anyway, that was my take on the diecast. I just, this weekend brings up bad memories to me with diecast. <laughs> I Great memories and bad memories at the same time. You know what I love about that last segment? is the fact that like it started off with you, well, it's all Earnhardt's fault. And then it ended with you saying, Earnhardt did it first and, and blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I love how you you went from hating Earnhardt to like loving Earnhardt in a minute. <laughs> well, not loving it. Well, I will never claim to have loved Earnhardt. I know. It's just I know that sacrilege to some people, but God, he wrecked my favorite driver so much. <laughs> he really did, though. I mean, uh, I I appreciate the dude and everything he's done. And man, come on. Oh, it's so he funny. just would not stop. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't like Jeff Gordon either, you know, and I didn't like Jimmy Johnson either. It's just, I don't know. I, there's, I don't know. I don't like the people that win all the time unless it's Alabama football, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes. So this weekend is the all-star race. We are going to end up doing our picks. We'll get to that in a little bit. Real quick, my Daytona 500 pick, Austin Sendrick. I got an email this this week. Apparently... I entered a contest that I forgot that I entered. <laughs> awesome. You know, you just, you randomly see the, hey, guess the winner of this, and and you could have a chance to win this. I was like, okay, yeah. well, I did, obviously I didn't read specifically what was going on with it. I won. 
I picked Austin Cindric to win the Daytona 500, and I bet a lot of people didn't pick Austin Cindric to no. win the Daytona 500. <laughs> Not at all. I won it. Now they said that there were several, you know, people chosen. So if I didn't get it, it would go on down the line. And chances are somebody didn't get it before me, and it went down the line to me. I doubt I was the first one to contact it. I can't imagine there's more than about 20 people that they contacted. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I won a trip. A trip. I won free tickets to the All-Star Weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. I won two free grandstand tickets to the truck race. Oh. I won two free grandstand tickets to the Xfinity race. <gasps> and I won two free grandstand tickets to the cup race. And track passes for the whole weekend. <gasps> yeah, that's pretty cool. We started looking at it, and we were like, well, I got three kids that are going to be kind of mad, right? Yeah. I can't just, just leave them. So we started looking at it, and we contacted the people that contacted me. And they said, well, kids are free on Friday and Saturday, and they're just 10 bucks a piece on Sunday. So once we you claim your prize, I'll get you in contact, and, and these tickets get added to your account. I'll get you in contact with them with the uh, ticket agency and you just add tickets onto the account from there. Well, yeah, that's going to be 20, uh, 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, that, that'd be fine. Well, that doesn't count track pass tickets. Uh, track pass tickets are like a hundred bucks a piece and they wouldn't even be allowed to go in because nobody under 17 can go in except on Sunday. Uh -huh. So we wouldn't be able to use them <clears throat> on Friday and Saturday. We could only use them on Sunday. Like, okay, well that's 300 bucks, right? Yeah. Then, we start thinking with the gas money. Four dollars and thirty nine cents a gallon where we are right now. We added wait, it up. Wait, 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 wait. Four what? Four dollars. Four dollars and thirty nine cents a gallon right now where we live for cheapest that's gas. It? That's that's the cheapest gas we have, yes. I'm at four ninety nine. That's the, that's the cheapest around here. Mm. Gosh dang. Well anyway. see, even I don't remember it being that bad on the way to Dallas for WrestleMania. It was always yeah. cheaper than it was here on the way there. But it's still expensive, dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Four thirty nine a gallon. That's as high as I've seen it so far here. Yeah. My car will get about 23, 24 miles a gallon on the open road. So it's not bad. Yeah, it's awesome. But you're looking at probably about three fifty to four hundred dollars in gas up there and back. Um, because it's a ten hour drive. That's also a thing. So now we're at like what, seven hundred bucks, right? So then you start thinking, well, the hotel, the closest hotel we could get that was affordable was like 30 miles away. And it was going to run about $300, $350 for the weekend. So now we're getting over $1,000 here, not counting food or anything like that. So it just came up too quick. Yeah, for sure. If, if it would have came up six weeks ago, we could have started putting some money back. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just dump over grand on something that happened right now like yeah. that without any planning whatsoever on a whim. Yeah. My wife would have had to miss a couple of days of work. Kids would have missed two of the last three days of school before they're out for the summer. It didn't work out. We tried everything we did because you were going to be there this weekend. Yes. And that was going to be really cool to be able to actually watch a race together live in person. It didn't work out, but that's fine. So what happened to the tickets? Like they got passed on to the next winter. Ah, oh. You should have just like they can't be transferred. Dang it! I I, I thought about that, but <sighs> they can't be transferred. Well, dang it. Okay. Well, I get it. <laughs> they get they get added to your account digitally. You know, oh. so you can't. They they got ways around that nowadays. Gosh, dang it! <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted to go to the truck race and the Xfinity race, but 
they like can't you. be expensive. If uh, the kids get them free, they can't be that expensive, can they? Well, I don't know. I the one thing that's hanging me up is uh, hotel. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually book my hotel for September Texas race. Uh, I'm I'm planning on going to the Xfinity race. I don't know if truck races run in in September at Texas. I know Xfinity is and Cup Series is. And uh, I, I do plan on going back down there and I'm getting a hotel. Uh, actually booked it for my girlfriend and I, but then I, I got dumped. So I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it, man. You know, it, it's okay though. Like missing the all-star race, like you said, it just came up too, too quick and it would have been cool to, to finally meet up and watch yeah, the race together. Funny thing. We've never met. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> never have we ever actually, when we did our trailer for this podcast, it was the first time we ever spoke to each other. Not yeah, everything else has been through Twitter and text, text and message. Like that. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> now you know. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll eat a hot dog for you, buddy. When I'm down there, wear some soda. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, wear my gear. Wear um, yeah. wear some in the marbles gear, man. <laughs> yeah, I might. I, well, I'll do you, it. This you time. forgot it. This past weekend. Now I have two shirts. I have the white one and then I have the gray one. So I can pick and choose. Even if you have to change midday, because you're just going for the Sunday race, right? Yes, I, I will. So this is what you'll do. This is what you do. Okay. Bring it in a little clear bag so you can go in and nobody mm-hmm. have any issues. Wear your in the marble stuff until the all-star race actually happens. Oh, until that's the main event happens. <laughs> Such a go good Because you got a big gap there while they're introducing drivers and all that kind of stuff. Getting everybody yeah. lined up on the front straight away. After the open, go on to the bathroom or go, you know, go to the bathroom, change into your Kyle Busch stuff mm. and then get you something to eat and all that kind of stuff. That way you'll at least wear the in the marble stuff at the racetrack. I, that's definitely going to be an option. I want to say, I better see pictures of you with the racetrack behind you on Twitter with the in the marble shirt now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I got to represent. Um, I'll probably go with white because it's going to be really oh, yeah. hot. I'm going to be sweating. I would. I'm going to go with white on this one. So we're going to do our picks now. The picks for this weekend are going to be interesting because there's going to be a bunch of drivers we can't pick from because we're not going to pick anybody that's going to be in the open or could get a fan vote or anything like that because there are eligibility requirements to make the all-star race. And there's only usually around 20 people uh, eligible at the start of it. You race your way into it with the open. So we have to pick people that have won last year and this year and our past champions or or our past champions something somebody that's eligible to be in this race you won last yes. week by one spot mm-hmm. who do you have Cobbush. for the also race okay Cobbush. 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 <laughs> kyle bush i'll tell you why because kyle bush is fantastic at texas motor speedway um he also uh something that i heard uh, one of the rules or whatever is the fastest pit stop during the pit competition in the in the middle of the all-star race now this is Mm -hmm. really confusing to me uh they're gonna do the fastest pit stop in the middle of the race is going to line up outside front row for the last 25 lap stage that is very random yes it's it is honestly the most confusing setup i've ever heard door bumper clear was trying to explain it i could not follow it but kyle bush is really good really fast at texas motor speedway his pit crew is really really fast almost as fast as xfinity wi-fi 
they all have an advantage. That is my pick, and I'm going to finally put a win on the season. Real quick, I miss the way they used to qualify for this race. I know, I do too. When when I was a kid, pretty much when I started racing, there's been a when I started watching NASCAR, there's been a pit road speed limit because yeah. it was a horrible accident in 1990 that killed somebody on pit road. And from then on, in '91, there's been speed limits and different things that they tried to make pit road safer. There was always a speed limit on pit road whenever I was when I whenever I have been watching NASCAR. Whenever they qualify for this race, they incorporate pit stops with it. Yeah. When I was a kid. They would start at the end of pit road, get it up to speed as fast as they could, do a whole lap, and then they would come down pit road as fast as they could, like old style, because they're the only cars on the racetrack and there's only one crew. So they would come down pit road as fast as they could, haul the mail down pit road, make their pit stop, get out as fast as they can, like no limits, no speed limits whatsoever. Just do this as fast as you can. And they'd make another lap out there. And then they, I think it was three laps total with a pit stop in the middle. And that the fastest time, the fastest overall time, that would be how you qualify for the all-star race. I don't know if they still do anything like that with, with the pit stops, but I know good and well, they don't start them wide open on the racetrack anymore. If they, last time I saw them do something with pit stops and qualifying, they start them at the end of like maybe four or five boxes away and they start them and they pull into the pits and then they, they do that and they take off as fast as they could, but they wouldn't let them come in the pits as fast as they could. I thought that was the most fun because the old style drivers that used to do it before the speed limits, they got it. They knew what they were doing, but the newer drivers that had never done anything like that before, they, it was so much fun to watch them trying to figure it out. My pick, you took Kyle Busch. I can't take him anyway. Cause I took him last week. He'll probably finish second now that you picked him. Hmm. I haven't given it any thought, man. <laughs> Cause it's hard because you got such a small group of drivers to pick from now. Yeah. And I know, I, I have a feeling I know who you're going to pick. So you do. Yeah. One I have, yeah. <laughs> I want to go with a Toyota. Good choice. I'm going to go records or checkers with Hamlin. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to uh, go Larson. So no, no, I don't like what the Chevys have right now compared to the Toyotas. Yeah. And I definitely don't like Ford. So, as of right now, I'm going to kind of try to stick more to the Toyota bandwagon. Okay. And I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin because something tells me this race isn't going to count and he's going to do really good. Okay. Yeah. If Sounds that makes good. any sense. Yeah, it does. So I think that's going to round out the show. Uh, we're going to get into the uh, podcast drafting partners real quick. I want to uh, personally shout out Fully Postable Wrestling Figure Podcast. We're on the roll most of the time. Um, yeah. Wasn't this week, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to make that a thing. I'm going to call them out. <laughs> sometimes we're on the, the roll call. Sometimes we're not. That's it's okay. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny to me now. We love I'm just going to keep there. bringing them up. Uh, <laughs> Scott with uh, Fully Puzzle Wrestling Figure Podcast also has a uh, side project, Drunk Wrestling History. That's a great listen uh, where they're not always accurate, but they're always drunk. Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry. Great listen also. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, another good one. Boot to the Face, Outsiders Beard Co. is run by Big Underscore Bane, who does our intro music and great products. Uh, go to his website. Just search it up on Google. I don't might not know his exact website off the top of my head. I think it's OutsiderBeardCo.com, but I could be wrong about that. Just search it up, Outsiders Beard Co. Great products. Uh, who you got, Ethan? Yeah, so uh, really fast. Drunk wrestling history is so much fun. Uh, I'm actually going to be not a guest, but I have a story that I told uh, 
my story will be on there either this week or next week. And it's really kind of funny. Uh, definitely not a, it's definitely a, not a PG. It's not family friendly. Yeah. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I love them over there. Uh, doing the favor with um, Eric has the best shoe game in town. Just wanted to shout them out. But some of my drafting partners, obviously Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Brian Breaker has a side project, one of many side projects he has. Uh, you know it's fake, right? Where he has anybody from uh, pro wrestlers to referees to fans, uh, managers, it doesn't matter. He always has them. Awesome, awesome show. Uh, he does... Uh, Brian Breaker also has a, a side side project with uh, our friend Travis Fowler, and we will be on that show in the future. Uh, that show is called TB Toycast. Uh, they take an in depth look on all things toys, and I I love that. Uh, Bane from uh, Breaker Breaker and Bane's Power Hour has a side project called No Hold Barred with Bill Benis. Uh, Tales from the Estate with Drew and Caitlin. Uh, awesome, super funny uh, show there. Um, Tim with a Chair Shot podcast. They, you know, with the Fig Life community, always sits down and has conversations. Really, really awesome show there. So, yeah, that's all my drafting partners. Well, thank everybody for listening this week. I hope you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at In the Marvels Pod. You can also find us on Facebook and like right now you can listen to our show, but that's going to go away pretty soon on Facebook, but we're everywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on iTunes. We're iHeartRadio. We're anywhere where you get your podcast nowadays. You can email the show at in the marbles pod at gmail.com. Ask us some questions, any questions at all. Uh, uh, pretty soon we're going to make a, make a call out on our social media platforms and see if anybody has any legit NASCAR questions. They just want answered. Doesn't matter how dumb, doesn't matter if you think they're stupid questions or not. We want to answer them because somebody had to teach us this stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. And you can find our shirt on whatamaneuver.net. If you take the uh, top left tab in the top corner of the web of the website, you can search by store and we're listed on there in the marbles. Our design right now is called Allison. And we love the shirt. I've got a couple different shirts of it myself. I think pretty much everybody in my family has a shirt of it now. Yep. And you do too. You have a couple different styles now too. Yep, I sure do. Love it. Uh, I hope to make some more eventually, but right now we're just going to stick with this one design. Before we get out of here, man, you got anything to add? Not, nope, I'm good. Peace, love, and all <laughs> the above. All right, well, we'll see you next time in the marbles. Uh, one thing about Kansas Speedway with that fan walk is that you're down there by uh, where the cars have tech are getting inspected and stuff. Um, so it was really interesting. I was standing by the fence. Uh, obviously, I didn't have a VIP pass, and I'm I'm never going to obtain a VIP pass ever. So I heard a gentleman who I did not recognize uh, wearing a Joe Gibbs Racing t-shirt, uh, a polo, a very nice, you know, obviously looks like a businessman of some sort has Joe Gibbs racing. Obviously that's what Kyle Busch races for in the cup series, talking to a gentleman who, again, I did not recognize, uh, also looked like a businessman that had a Chevy polo and they were walking past. And I heard 
the gentleman with the Joker's Racing uh, polo say, when Kyle switches to track house, we will worry about it then. Oh my gosh. Now, I don't know. Obviously, we, you know, last week we spoke about, you know, Kyle Bush and his contract negotiations, yeah. whether or not he was staying at Joker's Racing. Um, now they could be talking about another Kyle. They could be talking about a tire changer that has the first name of Kyle. Um, however, you know, I did hear from another person, uh, actually my, my friend, Josh J, uh, shout out to Josh. He has a friend who heard kind of the same rumblings about Kyle Bush possibly going over to track house racing or track house. I don't know. Motorsports, whatever it is, track house next season to be a third car for their team i was wondering if they're gonna add a car or kick suarez suarez out yes so the the rumor that i've been hearing is kyle bush is going to go to track house to be the third team or a third car while ty gibbs comes up to the cup series in the number 18 with the sponsorship of interstate battery and monster energy um i'm perf well no i'm not perfectly okay with that uh i'm perfectly okay with ty gibbs coming to the cup series Absolutely. I'd love that. Um, another thing my friend Josh J said was that he has heard or that he is betting on Ryan Priest is going full time in the cup series for the number 10 for Stuart Haas racing next season. Since t uh, this year, he's just being a sub and mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Priest is a really talented race car driver. And I would love to see that. But he, <laughs> Josh wanted me to say that on the podcast that he that's his prediction, and and I kind of agree with him. Uh, going back to the Kyle Busch thing, I really, really hope that's not the case. I hope Kyle Busch, if he's if now this is going to sound super selfish of me. Um, <laughs> I want it's a Chevy, isn't it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just bought a 2019 Toyota Tacoma because Kyle Busch, man, like. I love my Toyota. I'm never going to switch to Chevy, even if Kyle Busch goes to Chevy. Um, I'm thinking of more all my merch, all my T-shirts, my diecast. Uh, obviously, it's not going to go anywhere. My posters, all that stuff. I'm still going to rep my my M&M's Kyle Busch number 18 hats after this season, Like even though M&M's not going to be there. I'm not that guy that's going to go out and burn everything, you know? But uh, man, I would really, I really, really, really hope this is not going to happen. I really hope that Kyle Busch stays with Joe Gibbs Racing until he decides to retire. Now, one thing that I found interesting was when Kyle Busch made that, uh, had that interview where he says, yeah, I don't know what he said, something goodbye. You know, he said, kind of alluded to, he might not have a ride. I don't want to see Kyle Busch. Now, I'm not saying that Trackhouse is not a championship caliber team because obviously they are. Ross Chastain has won twice just this season. I think Kyle Busch could really uh, provide a lot of insight, a lot of uh, success to that team. But man, 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 you have been with the 18 car, you know, Jokers Racing since 2008. That's over, I don't know, dude, I don't know how to math. But, you know, I mean, like <laughs> most of his career. You know, and I think everybody alludes to the 18 as Kyle Bush. I hope now, like, hear me out. If instead of going to an, I'm gonna say an underdeveloped race team with track house, they're on their way to being a championship caliber team, uh, with at least with Ross saying they definitely are a championship caliber team, maybe not as a complete organization. So instead of Kyle Bush going over to track house to finish, I'm guessing, finish out his career, what if Kyle Busch steps down, 
does kind of what Joe not, uh, Joe Hunter Nemechek did, or um, uh, to, uh, Todd Gillen, or you know some of these guys. Why doesn't he just go back to the truck series, race full time? Because in NASCAR, you cannot, if you're racing for a championship in Xfinity series, you cannot go full time in Cup series or or truck series. Mm-hmm. Vice versa. You know, if Kyle Bush is running full time in Cup, he cannot, he can only run five races in the other two series. So why not Kyle Bush just leave the Cup series and just go over to the, the truck series, run for his own team, drive the number 51 all season. Win that championship, become the first ever NASCAR driver to ever win a Truck Series championship, Xfinity championship, and a Cup Series championship. The only person that's close enough to that or tied with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has a Cup Series and an Xfinity Series. Greg Biffle has a Truck Series and an Xfinity Series. So, why does, you know, I hope Kyle Busch decides to run, you know, go over to the over to the Truck Series, win a championship, go out on top. That would be, in my you know, in my opinion, that would be going out on top. Then after next season, if he decides to do that, then go into retirement. Go be, you know, uh, Brexton Bush's you know hauler driver as he as he alluded to, or you know now he has a brand new daughter, you know a newborn daughter is what I should say, not a brand new daughter, but a newborn daughter. You know, go be a father now, be a team owner. You know, you don't have to worry about shutting down KBM because you're you're pretty much molding your competition to eventually try to take your spot one day. I really, really, really hope Kyle Bush does not go to track house. But if he does, I will still support him. I will still buy his merch. I'm still gonna be Kyle Bush's number one fan, even if he's driving a Chevy. <laughs> you know, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. I thought I about personally this. I probably I personally think that would be really, really cool. I wonder what his number would be. Is there a fifty-one in that in Cup right now? I think one of those slower teams has a fifty-one, right? Um, I think you're thinking of Jeremy Clemens in the Xfinity series. I, I don't know if BJ McLeod has or Rick Ware Racing fifty-one. I don't eighty-one, maybe. Uh, uh, <gasps> that doesn't look right. No, it doesn't. Eighty-one look right. doesn't look right. Nothing looks right, man. It, it's One in ninety-nine. <laughs> it's hard to get a number right in the middle of that. Thirty. Um, no. Fifty. <laughs> yes, yeah, fifty's taken. Oh, okay. that ugly car at Daytona was a number fifty. Well, it'd be cool if it was something off the wall like double zero. Oh no! Oh, I like double zeros. You don't like no, double zeros? No, that is gross looking. No. Or like, That's an it's an interesting idea, and I bet he would buy the fifty one. Whoever has it, I bet he would buy it, and that would be his number. And he'd be sponsored by Rowdy Energy, and it would be awesome. You know, you'd buy the diecast. Oh, and absolutely! You know you'd, yes, a fifty <laughs> a NASCAR fifty one cup, cup car oh, sponsored man. by Rowdy Energy, <laughs> and his special schemes would be Rowdy Burns schemes. I mean, come on! Yeah, I absolutely would be all over. That. 